Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. We're back and we we got something uh, a bit different today. Is it different? I don't know. It was my choice, basically. I guess I'm responsible for this. Usually we, we do films that we, we try and tie in with uh, something that's being released or whatever. And if there's nothing going on, which during lockdown, no films being released, we kind of just pick whatever we want. Now, I picked Starship Troopers, Sol. <laughs> um... I'd like yeah. to apologise for that immediately. Well, yeah, I, I was, I was really well, annoyed when you did that because we haven't done Paul Verhoeven yet at all, surprisingly. And I was, you know, that's something I was really looking forward to getting round to, but I never imagined we'd be getting round to it with Starship fucking troopers. <laughs> um, well, before we start, let's so, so obviously let's just introduce ourselves. My name is Alan. I'm here every week. So is Sol, who was just talking there. Say hello, Sol. Hello, hello. Uh, and joining us this week, our guest is someone who's been on the show a few times before. He, It's uh, my brother, in fact, but don't hold that against him. Uh, hello, Gareth. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, so Gareth, you... You have, uh, as so often before, you are joining us in the capacity of living memory because you're a little bit older and therefore you, you know, Starship Troopers came out at a time when you were a, a young man, mm. demo, perfect demographic. Yeah, I was 22 when this came out. So, wow. um, yeah, I like this sort of uh, uh, dumb type action film. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I, I would love to know if... I really can't remember if the satirical element of it was wasted on me at the time. I'd like to think I, I'd like to think I was alive to some of it, but uh, yeah. I think I was probably more interested in the the bug blood and guts being spilled everywhere. People always use the word satire in reference to this film, and I'm not yeah. entirely sure if yeah. that's accurate. I I think perhaps it's more accurate to say it's not serious but satire <laughs> well, is perhaps lending it a bit of credit satire, is it? let's yeah. let's just hold off a second before we get into that because i think that's going to be quite a big discussion um basically the reason i chose starship troopers it wasn't like some really well thought out thing i i was reading something and it mentioned starship troopers and i was like oh that would be an interesting thing to look at because first of all i haven't seen it for it must be 10 years at least if not more and secondly it was it's one of those films that I would like to see again just because I don't really remember it. And it's always said that it was, you know, satirical and everyone sort of took it too seriously. It was this big flop. And I just thought, okay, I want to look it? at that again. And uh, actually, I'm saying it's a big flop. I guess I don't know. If Financially speaking, it didn't do well critically, I guess. <laughs> uh, but maybe it made money. It certainly generated well, some sequels. I, I know nothing about the history of this film, really, other than I know it's based on a book. Mm -hmm. I know the book is a lot more straight down the line uh, as it's presented, whereas the film yeah. kind of subverts a lot of what's in the book. I think I think the original book... I haven't, I haven't read the book, but... Um... I've read a couple of books, Robert Heinlein, who wrote it, and I've read a couple of his books. And he right. is—he has a reputation of being quite right-wing, quite yeah. militaristic. So I think, I think he wrote the book, as, as you say, as a sort of straight-down-the-line celebration of militarism. Yeah, was, I mean, I also haven't read the quite... book, but I did a little bit of basic research, and that's, that, yeah, that's pretty much the consensus. There's no, there's no sense. It's just a pretty much a, a right wing, <laughs> uh, militaristic mm. sci-fi, futuristic sci-fi novel, and accused of fascism, which I don't think is quite the intent, but mm. certainly, you know, well, it certainly yeah. glorifies the, you know, the military, which is synonymous with fascism. Mm. My my understanding though is that this film 
I, I've certainly always seen it as as having real cult status. It, it's yeah. one of those films that you know you hear filmmakers talk like. I want to say Joe Cornish used to gush about it occasionally on the Adam and Joe show back in the day. Like people like that would just, <laughs> if they ever get talking about it, Edgar Wright, people like that would just start gushing about Starship Troopers, and that seems to be the Paul Verhoeven film that is in a mainstream sense, most well-regarded nowadays. Um, I mean, Robocop is clearly the best film he's made, but... Yeah, and then Robocop's one of those films that it's it's not as good as you remember it is, Robocop. Well, it's not, like not even that. Ro- Robocop <laughs> is, is critically lauded. I think that's the difference. Whereas Starship Troopers was always this kind of murky, no-one-quite-knows-how-to-feel-about-it film. So I think a lot of the people who love it sing about it more loudly, and you get the impression that that's the the beloved Verhoeven film now, even though, mm. you know, Robocop, Total Recall. Like, Paul Verhoeven's got some actually legitimate, films. brilliant films under his belt. So, Yeah, I, I, I think it depends how high you set the bar. I think what he's made here is a sort of action B-movie genre type thing with a little bit of poking fun at... Mm. At the source material, it's not you know it, as long as you're not going in there expecting it to be a, you know a life changing um, education. I think you know I think I think he does quite a good job with it. That's it, uh, but I, I don't think. I guess my my general view was that it wasn't very good. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> to, no, to, I, just I, to, not to give too much away, but I think I I completely agree with you actually, Gareth. Because when I first watched this film, I came away thinking. What was the big fuss with that? Mm. What a load of mediocre yeah. nonsense. And on this rewatch, I have come away, yeah, enjoying it a lot more. But I obviously went into it the first time thinking, yeah, Paul Verhoeven, I like him. He's good. Aliens, brilliant. Uh, whereas this time I went into it with a sense of, uh. <laughs> So I think you're right. Yeah. I, 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 I haven't, I haven't seen this film for a long time, like for, you know, 15 or 20 years. And, and I enjoyed it watching it this week. But on a very surface level, it was fun. You know, it wasn't. It, I didn't feel like it was particularly clever. I didn't feel like it was, um, you know, undermining society. But it, yeah. but it was. It was a good fun action film. See, I think that was my. I feel the same way. Apart from the fun bit, <laughs> I like. I don't think it's very good or subversive or anything. But I also think it's quite a badly made film, just in general direction. Like the acting's mm. terrible. The 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 narrative is just very throwaway and nothingy. I, I guess for the for the time, uh, this is very general broad strokes. But for the time, the the CGI stuff is is nice. Uh, I, I have to say more. that. Yeah. That really struck me when I when I settled down to watch it again. I didn't remember the visual effects at all. I agree. I think there's a couple of bits that are a bit shonky, but generally speaking, the space effects oh, yeah, were really yeah. good. For, the bug effects were good. Yeah. For yeah. 1997, it, 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 it's really impressive stuff. Really holds up very well. And it, it's, yeah. that, it's that classic thing, I think, of just a good mixture of CGI that was just beginning to become the standard way of doing things and a bit of practical effects work mixed in. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of moments that yeah. felt a bit um when when they had that we're jumping ahead, when they had the flying bugs towards the end, that felt like uh sort of very like the old Sinbad films, Ray Harryhausen type effect. I don't think it was. I think it was it was CGI, but it's it, it sort of had that I don't know, that clunky type feel. I quite liked it. Mm. Well, there's there's 
uh, interesting note regarding that. The the visual effects here were done uh, by Phil Tippett. Do you know Do you know the name Phil? Oh, Tippett? I know that name. I don't. Know I do. Name. I don't know why. Phil Tippett. Oh, I know the name. I know exactly why because he directed Starship Troopers two or three. Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two. But two. Yeah. That's why I know that name. <laughs> Now, do you know why you know his name? There's a there's a particular reason why his name has gone down in in history. I don't go on. <laughs> he is cl- he is credited on Jurassic Park as dinosaur supervisor or whatever it is. Uh, okay. Uh... Uh, he's the basically a guy who he created um, animatronic uh, dinosaur stuff. While they were in the in the preparation for Jurassic Park, they didn't know if the CGI was gonna do the job and so he did mm-hmm. a load of uh yeah stop motion stuff and okay. obviously they ended up not using that but they did use it as the basis for a lot of the cgi stuff they did and uh hence they gave him a credit and and like it was whatever the it's like dinosaur wrangler or whatever it is they, they, they credit him as but yeah he's a visual effects guy and he's involved in starship troopers so maybe there is some animatronic stuff uh, there somewhere along Perhaps. the lines you know yeah. just is maybe just in a modeling sense i don't know i'm not i'm not really don't really maybe know it's at least that. got that influence in what he's created in yeah. the computer but we'll mm. come on to that later because he did direct the second film um oh god we got to uh, yes we'll be dealing with that later <laughs> i mean as well i i don't know if they still do this now they probably do but certainly in the early days of cgi you would still create a physical model of whatever monster you were trying to then create in a computer and and as a kind of reference point bugs are obviously a very easy thing to create with cgi they're not you know there's no Mm. hair on them there's no fur Mm. to worry about or human faces or anything like that um they're basically just a lot of triangular vector points that you can quite easily yeah i suppose shove on a computer and they're quite shiny and you know, so it's like Toy Story being Pixar's first effort yeah. because they thought toys would be easy to do on a computer as well. It's similar. But yeah, it holds up really well, I think, visually. It, it's a big part of um, what I enjoyed in this film going back into it. Okay, so let's. We've kind of made a lot of broad points there. Let's get down to um, some specifics here. So. The the films does it open with newsreel footage or yeah it does yeah it does yes. but that's, that's that's a real key part of the film isn't it well it is it's so it's kind the of these fake newsreel kind of things where it's like it's uh, it's the one consistent part of this franchise uh, that stays with it into I think all of the sequels in some capacity I'm not sure if it's in the fourth one but definitely it's came back the for the one, fifth no. one there yeah. there is a there is a reference to it in the fourth one where a character jokingly says, would you like to know more? Oh yeah, you're right. That, that, you're very, yeah. That's very correct. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure about these, these, these sort of um, like interstitial bits of, uh, they're just, they're really moving the plot on and it's, you know, the old idea of show not tell, they are very blatantly just telling you, here's what happens next. Here's what happens next. Let's get back to the characters. And, and when you think about it, it feels oh, it's a little bit lazy, but, but actually it works. I really like it. I don't think it ever really 
drops a huge exposition dump on you, apart from the very start of the film, where I'll generally forgive an exposition dump. But but in terms of the character, we're fo- the, the, in terms of the plot, the structure, the narrative we're following, it's mm. a, a character level thing, really. Uh, we're not there to see whether or not they get to kill a load of bugs. So yeah, I guess that's what, that's yeah, all you're, you're getting. Right. It's a, giving exposition yeah. for the world rather than our story. Yeah. Yeah. But also, it's 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 just like the spinning newspaper coming up to the screen and then the headlines, yeah. isn't it? It does it's move like... the plot on as well, though. Like you know, later mm. on, it sort of it, it goes between the different the different acts of the film. And I, I did like how it was presented, really. In in this, it feels a bit ahead of its time in the sense of it's like, oh, click here to find out more. It's like mm. a, it's built mm. like a website, and yeah. and it feels like in '97 that was probably well ahead of its time. Yeah, though. like I don't think there was. Websites were quite that, like that. That's what you get on news websites now. It's oh, like, oh yeah, look at yeah. the next page. Look at the next thing. It, it's it's what a website in 1995 would look like if it could handle video at that quality <laughs> instead of 360p or whatever. Um, Listen, without was, having I've, to download the QuickTime. I was a teenager then, in 1995. You better believe I know that pain. <laughs> <laughs> but. I I was watching it thinking, oh, it's such a shame that it's you know. They couldn't predict future internet a little bit, but then I thought, well, no, because you know that's not what they're doing. They're yeah, they're the job, making a comment on nineteen ninety seven. You know, it, it's and it works. You know, even though it looks like a horrible, clunky mouse Plus pointer. This, this is a this is suppo- yeah. supposed to be like the government stranded. Uh, news service it's it's not supposed to have too much freedom to just go and click on whatever you want it's like yeah mm-hmm. click here would to you like find to know more? more yes or yeah no. of what There's we're telling you and and i my my main concern with the it, those are that those interstitials those sort of newsreel footage are full-on parody satire they're subverting everything else that's happening yeah. to to full-on comedy it's, it's like watching idiocracy a lot of the time mm-hmm. but then yeah. the rest of the film is not at that yeah. level and that's yeah. my big sort of problem with con- concerning this film as a satire. Because apart from a couple of moments in the actual body of the film, for example, where they're signing up and the, the guy who's signing up says, oh, infantry made me the man I am today. And then you find out he's got no legs. Like a little moment like that, that it's obviously like going, oh, this isn't quite kind of, this is a propaganda when you start mm-hmm. to see behind the curtain. But apart from a few moments like that, it feels like the body of the film itself is pretty straight down the line. We're yeah. making a crappy B movie action film with subpar actors and and a, and a weak script. Yeah, yeah. You could you could tell me this was a film directed by someone who got fired yeah. from the production, and then they hired in Paul Verhoeven to try and re-edit it into a comedic deconstruction of that film and it feels the exactly stuff like was that. shot after the rest of the film to try and change the tone it, it does feel exactly that exactly because like. they are so separate from the rest of the world the story yeah. world and yeah. yeah and and that is my main problem with the film or why i don't particularly care for it as it's turned out <laughs> but <laughs> what because it, it, it what is an odd just... choice you <laughs> <laughs> what? You I, just, I just you made you made me watch not just this but <laughs> this and four of the worst sequels I have ever seen in my life. Um, you know what this this podcast is not about watching films you like. <laughs> otherwise, we wouldn't have done ten percent of what we've done. <laughs> yeah, 
But I thought it would be an interesting discussion, and I stand by that. So let's. Well, shall we? Shall we move to the sort of uh, the, the, the first the first act in the high school as we establish our characters? Mm. And they're all the, the first thing that struck me is they all look eight to ten years too old <laughs> yeah. to be in high school. And indeed, they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was I was reading a little bit about this, and uh, Paul Verhoeven first of all didn't read the book. He said he read like the first three pages and got bored, and he said it was shit. <laughs> so he just got the writer to explain it to him. Um, so I don't think it's a very pointed satire at the book because I don't think he knew what was in it. But also, yeah, he he sort of complained that these actors were too old, and it kind of justifies itself slightly because the story takes place over a few years. So you mm. do need them to get older, but yeah. it. But that's what again straight away I was thinking: Is this a satire of crap teen films because the actor is always thirty? Is this deliberate? I don't think it is. <laughs> is Casper well, Van I, I was, jaw really? That I made visual? a note. Um, I made, I wrote down "All Quiet on the Western Front," and this is probably the yeah. kindest note I've given to this film, yeah. which was that it very much reminded me of of that film. Do where you John know Boy Gareth? Walton I have. Gets, uh, Gets, I have just turned that film off, but to record this, I was ten minutes into. <laughs> oh, there you uh, go. So I yeah. think I, I saw that film a few years ago, and I think that the opening opening uh, act of that film is probably very similar. It, you mm. know, it'll be based on that. Oh, and Paul Verhoeven would have, would have pulled that reference well, out. Well, I, exactly, I totally exactly. That, yeah. So I think I might be being a bit too kind to the, the everyone involved there. You know, on the other hand, it's certainly it's it's probably more Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero than All Look Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> yeah, Paul Verhoeven's doing Western Front. Casper Van Dien is yeah. is not. But I I'd like to pick up though. You you said that all the actors are shit, essentially. Okay, and so you're too old. I think. I think but this film. <laughs> oh, they're too old. But I, I think, I think there's a lot to be said for this film's cast, and I think they do a hell of a lot to make it as oh, uh, enjoyable are, as it is. Let's let's hear this because you <laughs> have really gone out on a limb there. Come on, defend right. these actors. Okay, number one, we've got Clancy Brown, who is always a joy. I'm He's talking about the, the main scenery. cast. Of course, the Kurgan's yeah, brilliant. On. He's brilliant in everything. Yeah. Doogie yeah. House is okay. We're all right. Doogie House is not okay. He's appalling. <laughs> He's, He's fine. fine. There's nothing <laughs> wrong like with Neil though. Patrick Harris. It's, yeah, see, we like him now, though, so it's all right. We've forgiven it. But yeah, <laughs> who the fuck is Casper Van Dien, and why has he ever well, earned enough goodwill from me to forgive this? <laughs> I'll tell you who he is. He's the star of Starship Troopers five three years ago. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's how I, how his career went. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm not talking about the main kids, but uh, well, those are the I main ones. A lot of... well, I'm talking about well, the cast. Right. When I said the actors, I, I will... meant the ones who are starring in this <laughs> film. All right, I I will say that I I found myself very infatuated with Denise Richards, and I think that's all that she's supposed to bring to this production. Her, well, to be, but that's that's the problem. Denise Richards' career was based on that, uh, and that's why it didn't last very long. Because, you know, good looks will only get you so far, especially by the time you do hit 30 and they drift a little bit. But I, I don't think this film's calling on much more than that. You know, it'd be nice if there was a bit of charisma behind the leads, but... That's the point. Well, that's the point with Denise Richards. The two, the, These two main, like the main character and this other pilot who looks like a haunted Rob Lowe. <laughs> They're fighting. Oh god! Over. Is, he, is he the one I kept having to check to see if well, he was um, that Tom Cruise knockoff? I have to keep checking uh, what Torchwood. he had on his head. What's his name? What's Torchwood called? 
Oh, God, what is he? The name? Doctor Who yeah. guy. Barrowman. John Barrowman. John Barrowman. John Barrowman. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 li- I genuinely had to IMDb twice to double check it wasn't John Barrowman <laughs> as that guy. The point is that they're, they're, they're two, those two are fighting over Denise Richards. And, and she's, she's just got nothing going for her. <laughs> like, give it up, you know. I suppose, yeah. you know, if, 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 if they were believable as teenage boys, I could go for the hormonal thing. But they're not. They're both, well, Rob Lowe's 40. Casper <laughs> Van Diem's 30. Like, just move on. Yeah, plus there is the whole, obviously the whole plot point about uh, Johnny Rico, who's Casper Van Dien's character, is he joins the military for the girl, basically. And they're yeah. not even joining mm. the same branch of the military. It doesn't make any sense, yeah. even as a stupid, yeah. horny teenager. It would have been a much better film if he, if he, if it was like a screwball comedy starring a young Tom Hanks made in the eighties, where he tells his girlfriend he's going off to mil- the military, and then they have to kind of like green card style, you know, put a load of bugs in the background and have to be like, "Oh, I'm here on in the military. How is everyone?" And that'd be a great film. But there's there's a lot of talk in the film about how you know you go if you serve in the military you be, you get to become a citizen. Mm. Instead of just a yeah, civilian. Th- th- and... there's there's hints of satire that never get picked up again. There's that. There's there's the comment. In fact, is that this one or one of the sequels where a character says they want to have kids and joining the military makes it much easier to get a license? Yeah, another one, that's in this. Yeah, one of them says I want to get into politics, and it just looks better if mm. you've served. It's this, there's it's one, this glorification one says... of the military, which I think I think I'm going to give Verhoeven some credit here. I think he's made a post 9/11 film before 9/11. You've got the the idea that we're fighting these uncivilized swarm of people over on the other side of the galaxy. Yeah. And then they come and and blow up Buenos Aires, which is 9/11. So we're going to go and stamp them out. And there was a moment in one of the interstitials where there's kids in a school stamping on cockroaches. And that to yeah. me is that to me is like racist in Michigan throwing rocks at some poor woman with a burka on. Yeah. I think the problem with this film is that the whole way through, I was waiting for this twist, and I I couldn't remember if we ever got it or not, but I was waiting for a moment where we find out that we're the evil invading aliens, and the bugs are just, you know, some poor species minding their own business. I I don't think you can explicitly say that and and sell tickets in America. Yeah, but then, but and that, that would make it, satirical but in, at the end when they're you never... stabbing the queen in the face with the you know with the yeah and, and the thing drill. is you you never That's get that and it bay, wouldn't it? it wouldn't be hard to even hint at that yes they say she's scared at the end and some of Yay, what they do is pretty mean <laughs> but but they never get into I, I don't know i think if they found a way to humanize the bugs just a tiny bit like Oh, she's guarding her young or something. Do you know what I mean? It just it never yeah. it feels like something's being set up throughout the entire film and then it doesn't happen. And I I, I, I wonder if there's some deleted footage out there no, that didn't I, make I agree. It into the cut or something. And that's that's kind of where this idea of this being a satire really falls down with all that sort of stuff. Also the idea that the bugs are basically flinging asteroids at Earth, like that's their main mm. weapon and I mean, we hear that on the newsreel footage, but we, it's never it's never proven wrong. Do you know what I mean? We're never shown that that's mm. wrong. And in fact, it's just a very kind of oil-rich planet. And so they've but come up that, with this yeah. tactic to make people yeah. go to war for them. 
Well, again, this was made in 1997. If it had been made in 2007, then that might have been a bit more explicit. Mm. The idea of a false flag operation mm. is definitely more relevant today than 1997. So, so do you think that on, in the world of Starship Troopers, there are, there's a subculture of people saying Buenos Aires was an inside job? Well, I don't know. I, I think it would be a far more interesting film if there was. But they get um, hanged straight away if they say that. So, yeah. yeah. They're not citizens, are they? <laughs> That's that's the thing. It's like the whole film's kind of just a bit straight down the line to say that it's such a supposedly people refer to it as such a satire. And uh, I don't think it is a satire to be honest. I think what this is is a very straight down the line right wing pro military book mm-hmm. was somehow given to Paul Verhoeven to direct. Paul Verhoeven is not pro military and right wing. So just by his very nature, couldn't help but kind of take the piss a bit as he mm. was doing it, just by not taking it seriously. And in, in, that's what we end up with, is this kind of mishmash of tones. The same yeah, way yeah. if you if you ask me to produce a, a, a Muslim romantic comedy, I'm going to be sneaking all sort of masturbation jokes into the background <laughs> to see if I can get them past the executive <laughs> producers putting the money in. It's a very odd example. It's a very specific <laughs> example because that's exactly what he did. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the yeah, I think Paul Verhoeven is not as clever as he thinks he is, uh, and also doesn't really care about this film. I think he's, he's that, that's it. it. I think just, he was hired like as a someone... director. Thought I don't particularly yeah. like the source material, so I'll play around with it. It doesn't matter if it turns out whatever. I don't give a toss. It feels like a talented guy, and I do. I will make a real case for Paul Verhoeven. He's often completely disregarded as a hack. I think he's a very good director. Um, mm. I think he's a very talented man turning up for a paycheck and just having a bit of fun, and that's fine. You know, it, it, it's a. This isn't one of his great films, but I do think it is kind of enjoyable in that throwaway, disposable way. But you, it's like Gareth said at the start, it's all about expectations. And, you know, I did go into it this time with very low expectations. So to say it is just a very uncomplicated, straightforward, you know, sci-fi gung-ho action movie is, yeah, it kind of delivers on that front, I Yeah, suppose. maybe. Maybe if I'd gone into this just expecting it to be a shit action film and then actually got a bit more kind of subversive feel and comedy to it than I expected, I'd be like, oh, that is interesting. But... Well, speaking of co- co- comedy, shall we shall we move on to the next act and the um, boot camp, or as as Pam, my wife, put it, full metal exoskeleton. <laughs> <laughs> the scene open. The scene opens on Clancy Brown shouting at the the recruits, and and you you know it's you've seen that scene so many times before, and you do think, well, what are they going to do differently here? It's just a little bit over the top, you know. He, he he injures several of the recruits, which is quite funny. But uh, but it, you know, it, I don't really think they're doing anything new here. It's just it just feels like a cartoon oh, version yeah, of the same thing we've seen a hundred times before. Yeah, because even though he breaks yeah. someone's arm, the next time we see that guy, he's just got a kind of leather cast on his arm and he's perfectly yeah. fine. <laughs> so it's, it's like, oh, he can break his arm because we, we can heal it really quickly. So it's not really a problem. Yeah, and, and nothing he says holds up to any scrutiny at all either. There, there's a point where James Busey, is it, says, why can't we just nuke the bad guy? And then he makes him hold his hand out so he can throw a knife yeah. into his hand <laughs> and then says, 
you can't press the button now because I've put a knife in your hand. So how are you going to set off a nuke now? And it's like, well, you wouldn't have been able to do that if he hadn't held his hand up on the wall as a nice target for you to throw the knife at. <laughs> that is military discipline. It doesn't discipline really salt. mean anything. Don't it? fight it. But this is, this is it as well because that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about in terms of like, is that satire? Is that enough to be satire if it's just stupid? <laughs> is that, it's cartoonish. If it's it's deliberate. That's all Does that, that count? It's not satire. I don't, I don't know. But honestly, this is it. It struck me as what you'd get if you if you asked me to direct this film and said I wasn't allowed to completely rework it. I had to use the script as written. I had like a week to prepare. But there would be an underlying sense of, well, I'm going to take the piss because I think it's fucking stupid. Um, and that's going to come through in all the performances and everything. And I, that that is what I think you get in this film. It, it's just a sense that no one involved really Cared. believed in the material, <laughs> I think. Yeah. But yeah. but that is the tone they're going for as a production. And that's, you know, that's fine. That's a valid tone to, to strive for. You know, I don't mean that in a dismissive way, exactly. So then at the end, we at the end of this scene, we get, we get the guy who who gets killed during training exercise, yep. which again that uh. happened in *Officer and Gentleman*. And uh, Johnny Rico gets flogged, which which was a little bit much, I thought. <laughs> yeah, that that seemed very uh, very medieval. But that's that's straight out of the book, uh, yeah. And and it's about yeah. It, and the book really celebrates corporal punishment and how that will keep discipline and stuff. And again, they put that in without really exploring it or justifying it or subverting it. It felt it just it felt, happens. That clanged a bit. It felt, oh God, this doesn't feel right. You know, even in this silly cartoonish, this seems a little bit too much. It it it's weird because when that happened, I thought, oh, is this going to be some kind of Christ analogy that we're working towards? Like, what what is? And having seen the film now, it's like, oh, I don't think. There was any depth or subtext to that. It, it's just there. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But... Now, I, I don't know if you know about this, Sol, but Gareth served in the military. So he obviously uh... he obviously knows exactly what it's like. But Gareth, what? am I am I right? And I want to bring this up for a specific reason, because am I right in thinking you you went to army college, basically, to, to yeah, join? I have you to, never actually I have served to, like, properly. backpedal a lot, because... <laughs> People who actually have served in the military yeah, laugh yeah. at the idea of me serving in the military. Yeah, you but didn't really to, uh, serve, but you... I went to a place called Welbeck College, which was where it was like a military boarding school, and I did my A-levels there. So I was I was uh, an officer cadet. But the, the reason I bring this up specifically is because... Am I right in thinking you were the first year that was co-ed uh, yes. officer training? And obviously that's <laughs> relevant to this film because... The men and women who are in this boot camp and in, in troops together, they're all just sort of bunked in together. They're all having showers together. And I assume that's what it was like when you were 16 in no. college. No. <laughs> yeah, when when I was at Welbeck, it was indeed, it was like 50 years old, this place. And it, we, it was, we was the first year that, that girls were, were allowed. That was what? What year? What was that? The first year that they this let was women 1992. In? Very forward. so there were about a hundred. And eighty boys and twenty girls. My God! And and Chaos. there was absolutely no tension at all. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, Alan, you're alluding to this the shower scene where they're all just having a shower and having a chat, and there's boys and girls, and it's no big deal. And and it's obviously ridiculous, but because they're thirty, you <laughs> kind of think, all right, it sort of works. If they were actually seventeen, as they're supposed to be, 
th- 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 it would be just bacchanalian chaos. <laughs> just, be, just all be in each other. Yeah, because the, the the point of the yeah the interesting about the scene is not that everyone's naked and just sort of sharing the space. Yeah, like but that's that. what Verhoeven why it's, he did it. It's the the idea is that they're not even bothered. It doesn't affect them. Whatever. And oh, but they are all like they are hooking up and stuff. Certain people are having relationships, but yeah, apparently I read that um, you know they the cast agreed to do the uh, scene if Paul Verhoeven got naked while he was directing them. And I always <laughs> hear that fact, that kind of little that old story. Chestnut. I think was it his suggestion though, because from Sorry, everything I know that. about Paul, so, Ver- so you're saying that Verhoeven directed that scene naked that's the the sort of well-known bit of trivia whether it's true or not i don't know but the, oh, like that and it was a little bit hashtag me too isn't it i i don't know if it started here but i mean that is quite common that you hear of directors trying to get their actors comfortable with it but it's different when the director's like a 57 year old man yeah <laughs> well i know i know on the canyons which is an infamous um paul schrader is that his name paul schrader joint starring Lindsay lohan she was very uncomfortable doing a nude scene, so he, to make her feel more comfortable, got naked Fucked with her. a skeleton crew. <laughs> oh, no, so it was, it was him, it was him, uh, a probably 50-something-year-old man, naked, her naked, and like a cameraman on set that day, which must have been a very... Well, I'm sure that makes it more Yeah, I can't imagine it, I can't imagine it makes <laughs> oh, things less comfortable or more comfortable. I, yeah, it's... Paul Verhoeven, as well, is sort of... He's he's well known, isn't he? He's just been a bit of a dirty old man. Certainly watches films. It's not. Is he? It's not. It's, it's, well, have a look at his films. <laughs> I've never seen Showgirls. So that's probably the one that gives it away. Yeah, Basic Instinct. It's all Basic very Instinct's just male filth. gaze. Did he make Basic Instinct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did make Hollow Man. That gets very rapey. I mean, literally well, rapey. Someone gets raped. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Total Recall, three boobs. So. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Him. Yeah. <laughs> And even Robocop has the I'd buy that for a dollar sequence with uh... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So shall we shall we shall we move forward with this bloody film? Uh, we've spoken about the lead cast. I, I think one of the main reasons this film is as enjoyable as it is and works as well as it is, is all of the supporting roles are maybe not well cast, but every actor is just really enjoyable to watch. You've got, you know, we, we've already spoken about Clancy Brown, uh, but you've got Hank from Breaking Bad in there, Dean Norris, uh, yeah. still bald. You've got James Busey, who, I mean, I, I didn't know he did anything outside of the Frighteners in Contact back Jake in the 90s. Busey. Jake James. Busey, sorry, Jake Busey. I love Jake Busey. He is far from a good actor, but a delight to see on screen. Just one of the weirdest looking people to have ever and come out of he a He can vagina. play the green fiddle. Who knew? <laughs> You from um, you know, you, you've even got Amy Smart pretty much making a screen debut, yeah. is she, at the very end there? I mean, it's... it's, But, you know, everyone, like the people playing, uh, what's his name, the main guy's parents uh, are really... Like, they're both people I know I've seen in something else I'll tell you before, one, one obscure one that you two might not have got was that the uh, the biology teacher in the high school, when they were doing the dissection, that was Blanche yeah. off of the Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah. which, is, which was a cracking 80s uh, sitcom. Yeah, like really weird. Sitcom. Before Roseanne. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, what I notice, Saul, here is that, yeah, you haven't got the temerity to say any of these actors are good, just memorable, I guess. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I I do think some of them are good for the record, but <laughs> nothing they're doing here is particularly heavy lifting, is it? It's you know, Clancy Brown I think is a very good actor, but you wouldn't know it to watch this film. But it's not like what he's doing is bad either. He's just dialing his performance up to the point that it's a cartoon. But mm. that's clearly what the film is trying to do. Well, shall we talk about the, the, the sort of big battle fighting scenes then, where we actually see the bugs in action? And uh, it turns out that they are quite tough to beat. Who knew? That was it, yeah. Like, my note here was that, oh, so after all this, all the boot camp and all this, like, their, their tactic is stand on a ledge in a line and shoot wildly yeah. into the distance. They attack and then, like, 90 seconds later, they sound the general retreat. There was Fucked no it. attempt to make it feel militaristic at all. Like, yeah, when, you know, when yeah. the actors go into boot camps and like they train together for two months, yeah. there was definitely none of that. Uh, this felt like a bunch of Hollywood actors uh, with a gun in the hand and said, okay, stand there and shoot. But, you know, the bugs look cool and it's all very action isn't it? Well, we should just bring the plot together, shall we? So, they, you know, they, they, we haven't talked about the brain bug. So, you know, they're trying to find this brain bug that's coordinating all the, all the different bugs. And obviously, Doogie Howser comes back from Gestapo summer camp and he's <laughs> going he's to talk to the brain bug. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris in an SS uniform just wasn't very convincing, was it? <laughs> it just really. maybe they needed someone a little bit harder faced. Yeah. Do oh, I, I don't know. Don't you? Th- I think it works really well, and I think again, I don't know if that's an intentional element of. I just think satire, Paul Verhoeven cast but... a blonde actor. I don't think you'd ever seen Doogie Howser, MD. <laughs> but 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 he he's cast like a. Blonde hair, blue eyed, you know, hmm. Orion oh, kid, but he's a little fucking weed. And I think that is by design, isn't it? You've got this yeah. guy who isn't an intimidating Gestapo guy kind of crammed into that role. I, I think that is someone who's got first hand experience with the Nazis kind of making a statement. I, I don't know, I did read that as one of the few. Yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, it's worth noting Paul Verhoeven grew up in the Nazi occupation in Netherlands. So, mm. uh, yeah, you, you, it should inform it. If you're going to do a fascistic Nazi-style government regime, yeah, hopefully having someone like Verhoeven would inform that, but it doesn't feel he like certainly, there's anything He certainly way. says that informed his making of this film. But Yeah, is that just in the it. costume department or what? Isn't uh, he, I think he, I think he said something to the effect of his approach to war is that war makes everyone into a dickhead. Essentially, I, mean, I think that was the. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. It's profound, but, that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I think it was kind of intended as a look. No one is a hero in war. It's mm-hmm. all kind of ugly stuff. Which I don't, I, you know, to give him credit, I do think that comes across in this film, you know? I, I, Until the end where they're all heroes. Well, no, even the end. There's a real, there's an undercurrent of, ooh, when they're probing, they're sticking metal prods into that big bug and celebrating. I think there is an undercurrent of, oh, is this right? It, it's not there as enough. But I think it is there in a very oh certainly when they all cheer when they say it. it's scared and that yeah yeah but yeah I don't know it doesn't quite it's yeah it's not strong enough maybe but it's just it, like yeah. if you're gonna do that then say something with it yeah yeah I did make a note here of um, 
So there's a in the plot terms, uh, the main guy and the Dizzy, who is like one of the female characters, they finally get it on, and they mm-hmm. and they fuck. And I put a note that I hope that while they're having sex, she turns into a bug, and it turns out she was like deep cover all along, <laughs> which <laughs> would have been a great. But also, when we come to the sequel, <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, have you seen the second one? Got that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we'll come back to that. But that would have been a better ending. Um, I wanted to make a note also that we see, uh, there's a couple of points where we see like a dead bug or whatever, and it's not CGI. It's like a proper mm. model they've made or whatever. And it did feel like Tremors. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, mm, Tremors 2 yeah. specifically, I guess, with the beak things they have. I yeah. I got a real Tremors vibe from this film and it made me very excited to delve into the sequels because <laughs> our Tremors episode, if you haven't heard it, go it's back and fan listen. Fan favourite is Tremors. But yeah, yeah we, we basically came away, we went into all these straight-to-video sequels expecting terrible straight-to-video sequels and came away I think I preferred the second one to the first film. Like we all came away really quite positive on the whole regarding yeah. those Tremors straight to video sequels. So I was really hoping for something similar here. because uh, this <laughs> this film has found a lot of life on home video. Yeah. Uh this franchise I should say. I did read actually that there's talk of doing a new, a new take on Starship Troopers. Mm. Uh, uh, and it kind of feels like one of those things that may well never happen but yeah but as a kind of a reboot really because i think it feels like oh, i i think i think it's inevitable this will get rebooted in some capacity i think my my money on it in the current climate would be a tv series yeah uh, true. You know, but like a, a high end that would work quite well actually netflix yeah. series or something yeah like space space wars with giant bugs is you know that can work, and you'd probably lose any. You'd lose the fascist element, but you wouldn't satirize it either. So it'd just become a kind of diluted nonsense, and then nobody cares. I I think that. again, my money would be on very heavily leaning into the satire, but like actually doing it this time round. That would be my guess. Like a what people remember this film being, who love it, mm. actually doing that it's as like a TV Andy series. Samberg as the drill sergeant. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I, I basically, my guess would be, if this happens before the landscape completely changes again, my guess is it'll be some huge fans of the film who've gone back, read the books, and, you know, kind of do a, a an interpretation of the best of both worlds, so to speak. You know, like you get with the Hannibal TV series, or... Mm. Um, I could see a Battlestar Galactica type approach to it. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm gonna. I sort of summed it up earlier. I think. I. I just think. I. I think it could be so much better, and it's frustrating. But if you just assess it as it's a fun action film with lots of bugs and guns and shooting, then it's sort of all right. I'm gonna give it a seven. Well, I. I think if you just assess it, even on that level, it's still a very poor example. <laughs> shitty action film uh, yeah I was just sort of disappointed all round really it felt like it had potential to do more which it didn't it didn't even if you play it straight it's not good anyway I gave it a four Oof. I'm, I'm with Gareth here I like I say I, I didn't think much of this film but going into it on this rewatch with such low expectations I thought it was just a very 
superficially enjoyable bit of action nonsense, and I, I give it a very low, admittedly, 7 out of 10. I think you're being very generous. I think when all said and done, it was quite good fun. I quite enjoyed watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's and, worth something. I mean, it was easy. And I think any it. accusations of being overtly generous will surely be put into perspective in a second as we begin talking about the sequels. Yeah, so Starship Troopers 2, like you say, several years later, not an obvious kind of, yeah, this was a success, let's churn out another one. Also, low budget to the extreme. Oh, yeah. Like, remarkable. And, and, well, but most much... notably, it's a different genre to Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers is a gung ho action movie with a bit of sci fi dressing. This is a a claustrophobic body horror movie in the vein yeah. of David Cronenberg, which is your classic sci-fi channel way of churning out a cheap, shitty sequel. But it it ultimately begs the question of like, why if we're just gonna set everything in this corridor, this kind of you know metallic, like inside an air duct, essentially. It looks, it looks like a student film. It looks like they've made it mm. for twenty five quid. And and you just think, well, why 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 bother? You know, if you can't afford it, to make this it, film, it don't does. Make it. Apart from to give it some credit, there's some pretty good effects work on the yeah. on the old gore uh, mm. that goes far beyond what you get in a student film. Everything else, yeah, everything else, terrible. I made the same note, and it's not just a matter of budget because my first thought was, yeah, this is just low budget; they can't do anything with it. Because literally, the opening scene is like it's a battle, and it's. Uh, oh, dark yeah. and covered Just in smoke. smoke. They put the yeah. smoke machine on, but you can still tell. You can tell that this is like a thirty-foot-long studio. This is not mm. a big room they're in, and it's certainly not outdoors where yeah. it's supposed to be. It felt like someone let them film in the local Laser Quest. But <laughs> yes, they had to like yes. do it during the daytime when no kids were in there, like before they had to open <laughs> up. Except after if school. they'd done that, there would have been more props, <laughs> more, yeah. a bit more set. But yeah, yeah. The, the my but it went beyond that. I because that was my first note. That it was really low budget. But then I made the note that it looked like a student film. But over and above budget, it's like it's so basic. It's like they only had one lens to mm. shoot everything on, so there's no variation in shots. There's not really any tracking shots or anything like that. But it just felt really student film in the sense that it, it felt like people who hadn't really made a film before. Mm. And it, there's there's more to it than just low budget. This isn't like good practitioners working with what they've got. It's poor practitioners with nothing. <laughs> so it's just like the worst of both worlds. And like I said, this is directed by Phil Tippett, who is a special effects guy, yeah. not a director. He hasn't really got any other direct uh, other films on his CV, particularly. Um, I don't know if the cinematographer and editors and stuff like that, but like even that is it's all so basic. Like the editing, like. If you're if you've got a little fight scene, even just a bit of hand to hand combat, you know you put in some quick edits, you throw some mm. flashy shots. In. There's none of that. It's it's really sort of badly made, really badly. Made. I, 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 I watched this. I I I didn't watch this and the the number three for this record. So I'm going to be leaning on you guys for these two films. But I have seen this before, Starship Troopers two. <laughs> I remember I remember seeing it come up on the on the Sky Digital. I thought, oh, great. I've never seen that before. I watched it. And within 10 minutes, thought, this is this is really bad. Mm. But could not turn it off. <laughs> but I, I remember being just astounded at how... Uh, I, I, it's Starship Troopers. It's not Star Wars. But like, how have they allowed the brand to, to go from that extreme to this extreme? 
It's just so. It was just so down market. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I, I guess nobody cared, and so someone yeah. went, "Can we have the rights to that cheap? We'll churn something out." Because someone's going to go into a video store, see Starship's Troopers Two, and go, "Ooh, well, that's exactly what I did. That's why I watched exactly, it." Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's the market they're going for. If we can make a film for four hundred grand, is what it looks like, and and do enough DVD sales and stuff to make that worthwhile. So but I guess the point is that, that you know it took seven years before this was made. It was obviously the brand was held in such little esteem that they were quite happy to just knock that out. Well, that's probably how long it took for the rights to the novel to revert. Ah, I see. So it won't it have been the same. It's like if they don't make another film within that time, yeah. it like reverts yeah. back and someone else can buy it. Because I don't. But can you imagine if they didn't make a Bond film for fifteen years and they knocked one out for four hundred grand? Like you know, you, you just can't. Again, it's Starship Troopers, not James Bond. I understand it's a different <laughs> pedigree, but but it it just it just seems so vastly different in quality. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of straight-to-video stuff at this time, though. It's like we talked about Tremors and, and you know, From Dust Till Dawn. Did yeah, I was going to say from, yeah. from Dust Till Dawn's infamous, yeah. Tremors, From Dust Till Dawn, Starship Troopers, they're like the three... Scorpion King, there's like three of them. Mm. Yeah. With yeah. Like, like They've all got a wrestler in the lead. It's, it's mm. cheap knockoff films that people are going to go and prepare to pay £1.54 to rent it and, and watch it. They know no one's yeah. going to pay 12 quid to see it in a cinema. But that and that's a market, and that's fair enough. And it's and yeah, it's a it it's a curious little thing, where it was this period of about ten or fifteen years where that market existed, and now it's all goes straight to digital. But also that it's quite quickly that digital system has become very um, respected uh, with things like Netflix. It's like it's not just straight to video shit. Mm-hmm. It can be straight to video, straight to digital, and be good. Yeah. And and it's kind of a slightly different market, and so but, it's quite a neat. But in nineteen, in little... two thousand and four, that wasn't the case. No, not at all. And it's it's mm. going to be this little period in film history of about fifteen years yeah. where that was the yeah. case, uh, and it it might not be something we see quite so much of. Plus, you, also, it's it's a time when you know now you can do something on a lower budget and still make it look good with the technology improvement, digital filming, and editing yeah. is is kind of a lot easier and grading and stuff. Um, whereas back then. You, you you need to find the people who can do it the old fashioned way and just not pay them very much <laughs> or not so give them the facilities to do it. Yep. And there's still a lot of that goes on, but it's all if it's not attached to a Starship Troopers, then you never hear about it. I mean, we watched some shit on this podcast. I can't remember the last time I watched a film this bad. Full stop. Uh, for I this agree. I think not. this is one of the worst films I've seen that that claims to be professionally made and that's what i mean about the the student film feel to it i would say though i although i didn't enjoy the film i didn't think it was a good film there were little elements that i i found very watchable in fact mm. this this sort of the, the the potential of this i i i liked quite a lot you know i like those films where you get a small group of people trapped together and everything and uh you know it's got a, a thing kind of feel to it because they get they don't you don't know who's like people are being taken over by the bugs it never it never plays into tension like the thing does because you always mm. know who is a bug and apart from at the very beginning when you when you're first establishing the characters and stuff but that's just it like my my instinct was to say this almost seems like 
a good concept that could be turned into something worthwhile by other people, but this was made in a world where we already have the thing, and we already have Videodrome, and we already have all these films that have done the concepts being explored here well. Mm. I I give them some credit for taking it in a horror direction as a means, as a practical means of doing it on a lower budget. Um, I suppose that's smart, although to be honest, I would never go to Starship Troopers wanting horror. Uh, as a horror fan, I, that's not what you want that franchise to do. There's no horror in the first film. I think that's the main issue there. And so really all I can praise this film for is its special effects work, its gore, uh, which, like I say, is quite good in a few spots. But but even then, if that's all you're there for, you've got to sit through an hour and... 15 minutes before you get any of it <laughs> it's like well this is yes like i said this is directed by phil tippett who is a special effects guy and it feels like a special effects reel where they've gone oh that needs to be a narrative special effects reel and they've just got um panicked and just made up <laughs> a story on the spot i kind of begrudgingly like i say enjoyed isn't the right word but i didn't hate this film as much as i probably should have i, I don't know why that is particularly well, you, you very famously like films where nothing happens and it's just a load of people sat around talking. There's just a slight charm to it. You've, you've got to kind of grade it on a scale, haven't you? You can't, you, you can't judge it on the same basis that you judge Starship Troopers because it's just oh, not no, made. But I, I'm... It's, it's like being an art critic and then looking at a five-year-old's drawing of a cat and going, <laughs> well, this is, this is shit. Yeah, but you don't have to compare it to the Mona Lisa to objectively say it's shit. <laughs> That's I, mean. I, I can judge this against Tremors 2, or Child's yeah. Play 2, or, you know, a, any number, From Dust Till Dawn to any number, or, or you know, Man vs. Spider, Earth vs. the Spider, or whatever these sci-fi shitty movies were that I've seen. Like I, I've seen this kind of film before, and I've seen this level of, of under a million dollar budget production done better i mean the film themselves it's there's there's absolutely no sort of sense of sarcasm there's there's no self-awareness mm. there's no dignity there's, it's just it <laughs> exactly what it looks like it is and it's it's kind of unashamed about it there's a couple of the actors who feel like they're bravely getting through it some of them i feel like they're not actors it's just like Who's like cousin of you that just turned up on set or something? Like, there's there's a woman in this with a, a foreign accent. I couldn't even figure out what accent oh, she was. Oh god, like, yeah. I think they cut out most of the bits where she was talking because it was just ridiculous. But she certainly wasn't an actor. But like, there's there's just for example, there's a scene where there's the guy who's like the hard marine guy, and he's got a beard and he looks the part. He looks like a hard marine guy. And at one point, so he's got this beard, and at one point. Someone walks in on him. He's got shaving foam all over his beard. He's, he's going to shave. And then he finishes shaving. Like, whoops, wipes all the foam off. And he's still got a beard. <laughs> I don't know I don't know, is that supposed to be a joke? I don't, I don't know what's going on. Why? Because they obviously had in the script, he's shaving and someone walks in, they have a conversation. But then the guy comes up with a beard. And so no one thought, he's doing King Lear in the, the evenings and he, he refused to. <laughs> it's just like there's no thought has gone into it all and then they kind of have this sex stuff where they have a woman walking around naked yeah which feels very just 
pure titillation for no real reason. Then it's and then it's like a species thing where she has sex with someone to implant them with a bug, or that kind of thing. It, it never quite pays off mm. of anything. It all feels very derivative of other things. I don't know. It's just it's not Starship Troopers. <laughs> Certainly not. Yeah, I I have no real fondness for Starship Troopers, really. So if you're pissing me off that you're betraying the brand that much, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, but you're right. Like, it's not worth talking about it anymore. It's a terrible, terrible film. I give it two out of ten, which I think is generous. Um, yeah, I mean, I like I said, it got a credit on a curve, and there was definitely elements that I kind of enjoy. Enjoy is too strong a word. <laughs> Tolerated. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it did feel like yeah, like a child has made a film and wants to show it to you. It's like I can't. Be too nasty about it. Put it on the fridge with a magnet. <laughs> but anyway, I give it a three out of ten. <laughs> I'm not going to give this a mark because, as I say, it was a few years ago I watched it, so I'm not going to argue with your numbers. But I think I will. Uh, I will abstain. That that does make this film our our tenth lowest rated film of all time on the podcast. It's just kicked the. Uh, the Shall last we move airbender. on to some of the others? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just kicked the last Airbender off uh, the tenth place spot there. So. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, in, in 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 the spirit of full disclosure, I I watched the two animated sequels, which we'll get to, but I also did not see Starship Troopers three. So, I'm, again, you two tell me all about Starship Troopers is, three. Is this one you've never seen, or you haven't seen I've since two thousand and eight? Okay. I should say, because I'm old, I don't really know how these um, streaming sites work, so I basically have to pay for everything I watch, <laughs> and uh, I, there's a limit to how much cash I'm prepared to part with to watch the Starship <laughs> Troopers sequels, so I stuck to the animated ones. Well, this was an odd film. This felt like a real apology tour of a film. This felt like, look, we know we fucked up, but someone has been given a chance to make a Starship Troopers film who is a fan of the franchise and understands whatever it is that makes the first film work if you are someone who thinks that it works. It just it felt like so much more effort had gone into this. Um, mm. It's not just shot in a corridor with no Yeah, there's a hell on. of a lot more budget. It's, I mean, just whatever you do with the budget is one thing. Perhaps the special effects team of Starship Troopers 2 just spent all the money on their special effects because yeah Starship Troopers 3 the CGI stuff doesn't look that good but there's so much more set the filming on locations in a desert yeah. and stuff like that they're, they've got but that's it they, they've, they've very all... smartly gone out to a load of sand that is all yeah. things considered quite a cheap location but it does the trick and suddenly you're not in a corridor you're on an alien planet and that's better <laughs> but you know, it's more than that. This just has more ideas and more playful energy. You know, it starts with this song, A Good Day to Die, which runs throughout the film, and it's it really harkens back to that. It harks back to the the satirical, if you can call it that, streak in the first film. It's this very intentional send-up of you know, gung-ho military attitudes. And this one is post-9-11, and I think that did inform it quite strongly. It has that... It has a feel of something very much born out of the response to 9-11 and, and the Iraq War and the Afghanistan War. And Casper Van Dien's back in this one, isn't he? And and well, uh, Colonel Johnny Rico's back. And yes. The, the, terrible or not, uh, 
seeing a familiar face does buy you a lot of goodwill in something like this. I don't know about that, yeah. but I mean, to be honest with you, you say seeing a familiar face. I, you know, they call him Johnny Rico. I was like, oh, they've gone back to the same character. I was a good twenty minutes in before I realised it was the same actor, because it's not. <laughs> so, uh, this is like eleven years after the first. Yeah. Film. Plus, it's not like he, so he must be in his fifties now. <laughs> he hasn't changed dramatically, but also like he's got such a forgettable face because he's just such a generic <laughs> kind of American white boy. That... I, I don't think it's helped that the character is also pretty much a different person as written. Um, and, you well, know, a, I can believe that. Show a change in time. Yeah. He's, been, he's been in the shit. Yeah. But it, but it, it doesn't feel like it. Still feels quite separate from the first film. I suppose is what I'm saying. Well, the interesting thing here is that this is written. So the first, second, third, and fifth films in this series are all written by the same person. This film is directed by him as well, a guy called Ed Neumeyer, who, looking at his CV, has basically written these films and Robocop. That's basically what he's done <laughs> with his life. This is the only film he's ever directed. But uh, I don't know if you agree, Sol. It, like, the direction seems fine. Like, the action sequence oh, is all Oh, hell work. of an improvement. Yeah, Visually, yeah. it all makes sense. I mean, you can have a good cinematographer or whatever, but just in the way it's put together, it doesn't yeah, feel Yeah, you like talk it. about grading on a curve... This is the level I expect from a yeah. shitty straight-to-video yes, sequel yeah. to something. You know, it's cheap, it's inferior, but it's watchable. There's, you know, it's not utterly interminable. Um, it's a weird one, this. They, they introduce yeah. a, a kind of religious element to this film. Well, that's it. There's, it's, you've got the guy who is the space marshal, whatever. Because these, these are in the later films as well, Gareth. There's a the kind of head honcho. Yeah. What do they call him? Space sky marshal. Sky marshal, that's yeah. it. So he's the sky marshal. He's going out, he's talking to God and stuff like that. And so there's a couple of the characters who are like, yay, great, let's pray to God, our mm. Father, art in heaven. And then they finally get to where he's been leading them. and it's And he's like, and this is uh, where our god is, the giant bug god. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> Hang on, no, that's the wrong god. What? <laughs> Which works really... Well, there, there, was the a nice, with... there was a nice moment where the religious character is like, what's up? Like, I think she says, actually, because it's not a very subtle film, I think she no. says, we should kill him <laughs> because he's being a bit weird. And then the other character says, for what? Believing in a god like you? And it is like, yeah, yeah and then, ooh, and then she sick says, burn. But it's the wrong god. Yeah. That's, that's the sort of just The payoff of this, the 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 punchline, is that at the end of the film, the atheist character is in dire straits with everyone else, and the religious character's like, come on, let's pray. And she's like, No, I don't believe in God. And she's like, You're about to die. And she goes, all right, our father who art in heaven and starts praying, <laughs> sees some lights in the sky as these meteors, you know, not meteors, these missiles come. Now, what is it? It's, it's the brigade coming in, the reinforcements. Yeah, so then Johnny Rico's parachutes in with his troops, but it's like they're angels from heaven because they're literally flying in from space. And they're in a circle formation that makes a halo over the other character's head. <laughs> she sees this come down, is saved by Johnny Rico and everyone, and even though she then knows, yeah, that was just them coming in, causing those lights, that's still enough to convert her to religion, and she's now like really into God for the end of the film. 
And I don't know what the film's trying to say. It feels like they didn't want to offend any Christians watching. That kind of felt like, so they had to tack this on, which you get in a lot of American media. I couldn't figure out if it was anti-religion or pro-religion. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. (laughs) And it was really, because you could, because basically the whole message throughout is anti-religion because it's taking the piss out of these religious characters that are following this false god and they don't even realise it because they're kind of just... It's yeah, and, and everyone's putting down the the sort of quote-unquote legitimately religious character. The villain of the film is, you know, someone acting on religious terms, yeah. trying to propagate religion. Like, it's very anti-religion, but then there's this moment at the, right end at the end that's trying to... It's like, yeah, the atheist character converts because... You know, they because otherwise we've taken a stance with our film, and <laughs> like, yeah, it's... and then, but but even that is so over the top. What well, I think I think it's an anti-religion film, well, anti-Christianity, I guess, anti-Christianity film. That I think it's they just trying couldn't quite do it yeah. full on because no one would make that, no one would release it. So they have to make it kind of look like it might be pro, and and they'll sneak <sighs> it through. But it just feels like it's kind of either really heavy-handed one way or the other, and you can't. Tell yeah, which. and I, I think it's trying to be that that even-handed approach that you, you know, people are like, well, you know, believe what you want to believe, and who's to say anyone's right or wrong? Like, it's trying to have is, a bit of that at the end, but it's. I don't not think it is trying to be even-handed. I think it's really heavy-handed. It's so over the top. Like yeah. in the final confrontation, they're literally they've got these two characters and they're praying. And then it's kind of dissolve overlay over the fighting. And like you're literally seeing them both like it's an Eisenstein montage or something. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. And then the guy, Johnny Rico comes out and he holds his hand out to help this woman. And it like literally does the Sistine Chapel God to Adam yeah. touch thing and, and then like dissolves into like a concrete wall thing. It, it, there's no but there's so little subtlety to it that you're not even sure what it's saying <laughs> because it's yeah. so heavy handed. That it's either this is really heavy-handed and really on the nose, or it's being sarcastic, and I'm not sure which. Yeah, I think I think you might be overthinking it. I I, I think it's, <laughs> it, it sounds to me like they're clunkingly saying, "Yeah, you can have all the atheists you like, but when it comes down to it, you need to believe." Maybe. No atheists in a foxhole. Oh yeah, I, I that's something we should add. The the fascistic government is very anti-religion at the start of the film, and largely inexplicably they adopt religion at the end of the film which you know it it makes sense because like yeah religion goes hand in hand with fascism it's a great tool for controlling the masses Mm. but again it's just so the character's doing this complete 180 there's no it's just not believable none of it works well this is my 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 best solution to this is that ed newmeyer's written this as if it's a propaganda piece made by this government of how religion was taken up by the government. Because they have to they have to justify why they've had this about turn and they've suddenly realised, oh, we can use religion to control the masses. But we have to make it work. And so we're going to create this hero story of these people who got trapped and then the sky marshal saved them and, and, and blah, blah, blah. But that, I mean, that doesn't quite work. <laughs> but that's the best I can do. Yeah, again, I think you're giving it too much credit. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but the fact that the government, who are bad guys in these films, no doubt about that, they take on religion at the end, suggests this film is an anti-religion film. And I just don't, I think that ultimately is what it is. But yeah, it's very confused and and messy and 
and and and all I was thinking about was that for like the last half of the film. So the rest of the plot was largely incidental. Well, do you want to give it a grade and we can move on to the cartoons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So ultimately, this is just kind of feels confused and messy and doesn't really achieve what it sets out to do. I gave it a four out of ten. Certainly in terms of production quality, it's an improvement, but still a mess. Yeah, I thought it was a huge improvement over the previous film in that this one was actually watchable. Um, still a pretty bad film, but not a real slog in, in the same way. Um, so I've gone... With the previous film, that was a very low 2 out of 10. I give this quite a high 3 out of 10. <laughs> it's a subtle difference, but you know. <laughs> okay, so at some point... I don't know the story behind this, but a Japanese company, I guess, decided to make an animated uh, take on these films. Sure, of course. Well, I, I, I mean, I didn't realize it was a Japanese company, but it's, it's done in the, the exact same art style as the Resident Evil straight-to-video movies, which were, of course, themselves pretty much feature-length cutscenes done in the style of the video games. Yes. Um, so I wonder if that I I wonder if it's the same company or just a an art style that was coming out of Japan. But um, there are some straight to video, terrible straight to video Resident Evil movies that are animated that look just like this. And that's the thing that this really feels like a video game cutscene for ninety minutes. Yes. Uh, a modern video game, but you know it's it's got all the the sort of clunky direction and bad voice acting and stiff character movements and everything that go with it. So you've got this this big ship that goes off grid, and um, lo and behold, Doogie Howser's on it. Although of course he's not being played by Doogie Howser; <laughs> yeah. it's the same character but a different voice actor. And incidentally, looks nothing like him. Like, how hard can it be to give him blonde hair? <laughs> the, the same, the same's true of uh, of Carmen, Denise Richards' character. She's again voiced by someone else, but but looks nothing like her. Uh, so it turns out that the Bug Queen has taken over this uh, human ship, and now the the bugs are flying it to Earth. And uh, oh god, I'm losing track I'm, of yeah, uh, yeah I'm losing. I'm running out. They, they land on Earth. They're invading Earth, and Johnny Rico saves everyone. There you go. <laughs> That's it. There's um. So it starts with as the sec as the second film did, and maybe the third film as well. It starts with a load of action when you haven't established any characters. You can't yeah, see their they're faces. They're all wearing face masks. In, like, you, you don't the, know who the hell uh, is who. Yeah, this the the uh, mechanized armor that you know that's famous from the books. Yeah, you don't know who any of them are. All the voice acting is very generic. generic. There's yeah. there's no real emotional moves apart from aggression. There's no emotion expressed by anyone at all. They're stormtroopers. They're stormtroopers. You can't see them. It's ten or fifteen minutes before you see a face, and and even then, you know, the characterization is not great. But at least you can tell the difference between them. Well, I never quite grasped the difference between them. <laughs> to be honest with you, one of them isn't quite white. Um, that was a slight difference if you got quite close up. There was one. There was one who was. I don't know, Chinese. He was called Chow, yeah. and he did Kung Fu. Yeah, exactly. So that was, yeah. Uh, he was easy to identify because <laughs> he did martial arts. <laughs> that was it. And there's just, you know, you, the first character we get is like a dick swinging contest where these two guys have a fight. 
then I, I realized it was the characters from the first film. That was about half an hour in. Yeah, it took me a while to figure that out. Yeah. Can we talk about the? Can we talk about how they? Uh, we talked earlier about the the shower scene in Starship Troopers. <laughs> there was a, a reprise of that in animated form, and uh, I, I mean, we were complaining a minute ago that they were we couldn't see their faces. Uh, it was too much. I I, I have never been less aroused. <laughs> Just a, a topless animated shower scene was not what I was expecting on Saturday morning. <laughs> it, it it was annoying more than anything because. You know, I, I wanted to see the big animated dicks swinging around as well. I, it didn't feel fair that... that like, uh, like um, what's his name? Man- Dr. Manhattan. In, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that, you, pipe around. you could tell someone had really spent a bit of time on the uh, physics animation uh, on those naked women. You know, they, they'd <laughs> put a lot of work into their assets there. It just yeah. They put the hours in. Now I'm I'm not going to pretend that I I followed the plot or could tell you anything. That oh happened. God, Alan, Alan! <laughs> I think I made it 15 minutes into this one before I was on double speed. So yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, not not a lot to say because um, I it was quite functional. It felt like if you were just watching this as a kid yeah. who watched who was watching a stupid action anim- animation then it would do Except the job. Except it had animated boobs in it. But that's I think other better. than that, it would have been a great film for a 10-year-old boy to well, watch. Well, that's why it's you perfect know. for a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> I was going to say that's, yeah. <laughs> that's why they're there, yeah, let's face it. Exactly. I, I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> it was like it was like watching it was like watching a, a, a sort of sex scene in a film with your granny. <laughs> Except I was, I was on my own and I still felt uncomfortable. <laughs> I felt very uncomfortable for the same reason. I, I think it's just that in the back of your mind there's the idea of what if someone what if I like what if a meteor crashed through my head right now, took me out and I died, and then when they eventually break down the door and come and find me, this is what's on my screen, and they think this is what I was watching <laughs> with no context. Yeah. <laughs> the one good thing I will say is that they were happy to let the people die. So, like the troopers, they have they set them up as a characters. They do establish the characters to some degree, but then the people die. Some survive, some die. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's I did nice. like that the 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 kung fu guy. He lost his weapon, and so he sort of lined up in the fighting stance to fight a bug. And, and I thought, oh, surely not. And no, surely not. It spiked him and killed him, <laughs> which, which I was quite pleased to see. Yeah, that was that sort of bit was okay. Um, I, yeah. Interestingly, just thinking in terms of like this troop, I, I was reading that aliens, as in um, James Cameron's aliens, um, took a lot of inspiration from the the book Starship Troopers, uh, such as you know this gung ho marine dickheads, and um, the fact that they talk about they're going on a bug hunt, you know, mm-hmm. is the that's because the aliens in that book were bugs, and how they get dropped. Uh, from like a little thing yeah, that's what they do in these yeah. films and the pilots are always female and the troopers are male yeah. and and you know that's in certainly in aliens oh, that's fascinating okay that's really that was what i was just reading a bit about the book because that book has had a big influence on sci-fi be it for sure yeah yeah i i had that thought when i watched um starship troopers but it must be near the start and then i forgot <laughs> to make any mention of it yeah um i mean i'm i'm pretty much done with everything i got to say about starship troopers 4 yeah that's fine well uh, if anyone cares the animation is pretty impressive for 2000 well no it's not really i was gonna say it's impressive for 2012 insofar as 
how realistic it looks at a glance. But to be honest, they've done this to this standard for about five or six years at this point with those Resident Evil movies. And it is a fucking ugly art style. It's horrible. You know, it's the, the characters all look hideous. The voice acting's bad. There, there's really very little in the way of redeeming features <laughs> for this film. Yeah, I've so, got nothing to compare this to. I, like, this feels like this. It feels like an animated series that eleven-year-old boys would watch. And and I've got no other context. I'm not a gamer, so I don't. I don't. I can't compare it to animation in those. If I was to put it in like in into a context that might make more sense to you. Um, it kind of reminded me of like Thunderbirds and things I'm not like that. that. Old. Fuck you! <laughs> you definitely grew up watching Captain did, Scarlet and Thunderbirds. <laughs> no, yeah, they were all repeated in the eighties. I loved them. <laughs> but it, it, it didn't you like if if you're saying it felt like TV to me, it reminded me of it felt like a modern version of that. That kind of yeah, yeah, like a boys' own action type thing. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison, actually, Saul. Yeah, it just, but it's it's bad, isn't it? You know, it's just not good. So I give it two out of ten. Not as bad as Starship Troopers two, but pretty bad. See, I I, I was, kind of, I must admit, it was like I didn't exactly give it my hundred percent attention. It, it didn't grip me, but <laughs> it felt like I said, it felt functional. It said it did what it set out to do, I suppose, and that's not much. It certainly wasn't attempting any kind of satire. It was just like here's a gung ho action thing. And on that level, I guess it worked. I give it a five, which feels kind of generous, but you know, it's just nothing. I sort really, of agree. So I agree the with the gist of that, Alan. I, I gave it four, but for the same reason, it was kind of you know, I'm not saying it was a good film by any means, but it was it just you know, it seemed like it seemed like it did what it set out to do. Yeah, it was a nothing film, but that was what mm. it intended to be. So yeah. So, Starship Troopers five, Trader on Mars or whatever it's called. Uh- Another another feel of an apology tour with this one. It, it felt like, look, if we're going to do another one of these, we kind of have to offer something new. Last time it was animated, that was the new fun thing. But they've had that, so what's going to make everyone come back for this one? And I guess it's that they've assembled some of the original cast as voice actors. Well, I'll tell you what, though. this Before... Uh, in terms of animation, this is the same company, it's the same director and all this as the previous film, but it felt a lot better animation-wise. I don't. Oh, it's a huge, huge improvement. It felt it's certainly, quality. just from my point of view, like I know you're like an animation guy, so you can break this down. But from a casual viewer, the color was there was much more color to it. It was much more vibrant. Uh, it didn't. Yeah. And that felt like a deliberate stylistic choice in the previous film, but it just loses a lot of life. Yeah. But the the major difference here, before I'll let you just get into it, is they brought Ed Numai back as the writer, and this feels like it's got a story, and also it feels like yeah. it's got characters, and the the actors are yeah. allowed yeah. to do something. I don't know the ins and outs of the animation process. I, I couldn't say if this was the case on the previous film. It probably was, but... Watching this film, it felt like they had made a lot of use of motion capture, um, yeah, yeah. There were a lot of very specific, nice little bits of physical performance where characters' faces would just move in a, a really, you know, like really full-on expressions to convey like 
you know, disbelief or sarcasm, and just gestures and mannerisms were captured really nicely, and it felt like motion capture, so I'm guessing that's what they were using. I agree. I, I did think the same thing. I don't know enough about it to really know, but yeah, it felt much more natural. And But definitely in terms yeah. of acting yeah. and the writing, they're, they're actually expressing emotions and, and, and you, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can distinctly know which character's which just by their voice and, and by their behaviour. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, there were... I, I wasn't watching a particularly HD copy of this film, but... There were moments where, for a second, I was like, "Is that animated? Is that are those real actors?" Like that, whenever they went to the news readers and these kind of panel show sequences, the first time it happened, I thought, "Is this some weird thing where they've got real actors to appear in live action on the TV?" And then I looked at it a bit longer and realized, "No, that's animated." But it, it's yeah, it well, was... I think you're right. I think it's motion. We should, we should mention that or rotoscope. We should mention that yeah. that the, they brought back from the original film those those interstitials, those um, yes, those yes. fake news footage, and and there was that's a good example of where more broadly there was a bit more humor in this film. Mm. So they, oh, yeah. they had a they had a TV debate, and the name of the program was "Who Do We Blame This Time," which I quite like. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's good. <laughs> There, there were a couple funny. of nice gags in this one, mostly with all the TV stuff. But like, yeah, I remember yeah. thinking like, "Oh wow, that joke just landed! How, uh, yeah, how unexpected!" But that's it's the same sort of thing, like where those those interstitials are very kind of comedic, but then the body of the film is quite straight up. Well, like, the, let's, the, 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 let's the set of recruits. So, so Johnny Rico's training this set of raw recruits who obviously end up being honed in battle. But but at the start, they're, they're bad. But they're not just bad. They're comedy bad. And it just... They're the worst it, ever. It doesn't yeah. feel real because they're really terrible. And he didn't seem to be bawling them out like Clancy Brown did. You know, it, it just, it just doesn't... It didn't work in the world, you know. And, and there's, yeah. there's never a montage where they become good. No. Um, they're just sort of thrown into the real world, and they have to deal with it. Yeah. And then the other problem, the other major problem with that is that I think one of them dies. Yeah, and it's, it's like in a, in a weirdly go and become heroes, half you know? comedic moment that I think is meant to hit emotionally because because he keeps dying in the training exercise by getting ripped in half, and then when he yeah. dies in real life by getting ripped in half, he says, "Why do I always get ripped in half?" And then he dies. <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> there was a good line where um, Johnny Rico shouts, "You want to live forever?" Which he shouts in every single film. And the the nerdy lieutenant comes back to him, said, "Well, no, but a little longer might be nice." Which, yeah. which is why I always yeah. think that's a good answer. I, I always liked, think that. exactly. I liked that. It, it felt like, yeah, right, more of a sense of humor. It did feel more satirical, mm. just in the sense of it was having a more of a laugh with it. Well, the, let's talk about the satire bit again. Let's not give it too much credit. But the main, the the main um, antagonist, the, who is the, the new Sky Marshal, she's very Trumpy, isn't she? You know, she's obsessed with her ratings, and uh, you know, she basically allows Mars to be overtaken by the bugs just so that she can uh, she can boost her popularity. Well, yeah, talk it, about false flag so is... stuff we were talking about before. Yeah. This is the film that really deals with it head on. The the yeah, mm. this conspiracy of of a government official doing some pretty shitty, nefarious, underhand things to further their own career. But I guess this is being made while Trump's running for president. 
it's probably just before you know it came out the year he was just just become president so but but she she feels very much like a tv star rather than a politician yeah i, I didn't read it as much of a trump thing specifically politics in it, general yeah, yeah it just felt like a politics yeah yeah like she's literally looking at a screen with her approval rating on it yeah and as she's sort of She's doing a speech and and it tr- it, it goes down up and down. Yeah, 32. it it's it's annoying though because it's, it's like a bit on the nose. Well, we've <laughs> I mean, Futurama did that as a visual gag that was hilarious in an episode where you know Fry comes out and gives a speech about the company he's in charge of at the time, and you can see the stock ticker behind him, and it the stock goes up yeah. and down based on every sentence he says, but. To see it played straight here is just a bit like... Well, that's it. For the for the purpose of this plot, for us to be able to go with the plot, we have to take that seriously in terms of her motivation. So it doesn't really play as a gag, even if it's kind of meant as one yeah. by the writer, who obviously is taking the piss a bit. But yeah, so in terms of the plot, I think, again, this works quite well because it's quite strict. You've got this kind of background of the political thing but ultimately you've got this little group of eight people or whatever it is they're stuck in this place and they have to keep the bugs away until someone comes and rescues them and it's kind of quite straightforward but it works on that level and then you've got this secondary aspect of like oh who's behind all this and oh well this sky marshal's been up to something but will the psychic guy expose them and it's all just quite simple enough that it works you don't have to concentrate too hard on it uh, and i think it works on that level i think it does what it's it's trying to do i've made another i made another note here about the the drop scene here so when they drop out of the ship and go down to the surface and and i've written here it reminded me of uh of band of brothers episode two of band of brothers when when they're being dropped over normandy but but actually now you've said it it's very aliens now you've now you've put that in my head it's <laughs> it's, it's a lift of that yeah, yeah definitely i i just found it very boring were there not enough animated boobs for you <laughs> They're so just earnest and down the line. There's nothing here that hasn't been done a thousand times before. None of these character archetypes haven't been done a thousand times before. So if you're going to do them now with no hint of new idea or originality, then be postmodern and and subvert it a bit. But they've not even got that going on. And it's just boring. It's just shit. I don't care about some like hardened army general with an eye patch. I don't care. It's not interesting. So, you know, I think this was an improvement on the previous film, but I still thought it was shit. <laughs> See, I, I, I mean, I thought this was an improvement on the previous film, and yeah. I thought that one was quite functional. This this worked fine for me. I watched it. I didn't, you know, it didn't grip me, but it, it, it worked, and I enjoyed the characters and the way they were interacting and stuff. I thought that worked where the previous film didn't. And yeah, maybe I'm just because of the previous films I've watched. But, but Alan, this is it's, this is a film. It just feels like a step up. But. This is a film that literally does the oh, they're all making fun of him, and then he walks behind them and hears, and then oh, he's right behind me, isn't he? It does that <laughs> earnestly with no like joke about how we've seen that done twenty million times. It's like you can't do that scene in a film anymore, just earnestly. I, th- I think you can in Starship Troopers Five. No, I half expected... You know, they're not reinventing cinema. Well, no, exactly. I half expected there to be a sequence at the end when they're running away from the bugs and there's two people transporting a window across the fucking pathway and they have to, like, <laughs> dodge out of the way. 
Can I just say before we before we grade this, uh, and this will impact my grade, I paid five ninety nine to see this. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> How? Well, How I, this and this is where I feel like a, a granddad. I, I I went to stream it on one of these one of them streaming sites. Yeah. And it, oh, it looked all virusy, so I thought oh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I paid five ninety nine to watch it on Amazon Prime. Oh my god, they charge five ninety nine. Well, it's quite Amazon new, isn't it? It's still a new film. Yeah, it's still a recent release. That's you can get all the others on YouTube without like worrying about it. This one. So it was. It was a better film than the last ago. one, but it wasn't six quid better. <laughs> how much do they charge for a real film? <laughs> it just depends how old they are, really. This for me, yeah, slight step up, and and it felt for me perfectly functional and and watchable. Um, I wouldn't quite go as far as I liked it. Where would you it, put but... this in relation? Rank all the films and put this in as part of the. Well, I'm going to give this one a six, which makes it the best one of the lot. <laughs> Out of all, including the first one. <laughs> yeah, I gave that a four. Oh, Alan, what is wrong because, with you? Because Starship <laughs> Troopers is the first question. one. It feels like. It's trying to do something and failing. Where this, this didn't even swing. It's not a swing. Yeah, miss. and it, I it think that's really worse. Miss. That's worse. Oh, no. Take a swing oh. and miss, and at least that's admirable. This is nothing. This is a lazy nothing film that can't no, justify its so. own ex- I think it, it's existence. Just, it's just doing a bit of entertainment. I think that's all right. Boy, Starship Troopers. I, plus, I think Starship Troopers is quite badly made. I don't know. I don't care okay, what you think of Verhoeven as a director. I don't think he's. He clearly can't. Oh, and you do think this is well directed, do you? With good performances from a good cast. <laughs> God. I'm grading on a curve, all right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm grading on a curve. I'm grading. Like, I'm comparing this to other shit Japanese CGI. <laughs> franchise-based films. I'm comparing it to other straight-to-video movies. I'm comparing it to other Starship Troopers movies. And I still give it 3 out of 10. <laughs> oh, very harsh. I, I think the second film might be my favourite. You are so difficult. I think this was better than the last film. But I've already forgotten what I gave for the last one. And so, because I paid £6 for it, I'm giving this 3 out of 10. <laughs> oh dear. Did you think in this last film, Casper Van Dien is playing Johnny Rico again, but he sounded like Tim Allen? <laughs> he did. I, I did. I had that exact thought. I was like, who? It felt like Buzz Lightyear. I, I, I had the thought, who is that reminding me of? And then I went, oh god, it's Buzz Lightyear. And then I went, oh god, is it Tim Allen? Because I, I knew he did a few. And then I remembered that. Um, uh, Patrick Warburton did a few like the Buzz Lightyear straight to video thing, so I had to look it up, yeah. and I was surprised to see it was Casper von. I I, I wouldn't recognise like if Casper van Dien rang me up today, <laughs> I wouldn't recognise his voice. Like he's not got a distinctive, familiar voice to me. If he walked past you in the street, would you recognise? Probably him? not. No, no. But we are talking specifically <laughs> about his voice here. Maybe if he wore the eye patch. <laughs> so. I think I've kind of... T- I was going to ask how we feel this franchise can exist well in, you know, the future. But I think I kind of nailed it earlier when I said a TV series. A sort of Netflix series made by a fan 
Well, I think that, you know, we, what we saw in this last film where the Sky Marshal um, is is kind of a devious politician. I think if you if you took if you took the Netflix TV series approach and you could follow, you know, your band of brothers, your, your mobile infantry, you could follow some pilots, but you could also have that political dimension and, and a little bit more world building and expanding the that, that political side of it. I think you could probably put together a really strong sort of eight hour miniseries type thing there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you could definitely bring, you know, your satire into that as mm. well. You could subvert that idea. And yeah, I, I, I think, I think more realistically, what we'll probably get is a sci-fi channel TV series uh, at some point, And they'll go for just campy nonsense fun. And it'll be like Z nation. If you've ever seen that, which I'm sure you haven't, but it'll be, top top tier sci-fi channel content yeah <laughs> like tremors the series <laughs> <laughs> well, i should mention actually there was a there was a, an animated series of starship troopers which was made i think probably just after the first film now, i haven't seen any of that but i did watch the trailer on imdb <laughs> and it looked it looked incredibly cheap i think you know it's the sort of 90s animation but really really bad mm. So uh, I, I I can't speak to the narrative uh, quality of it, but uh, certainly animation looked well shonky. Yeah, there there was also a um a, a Japanese uh, animated series, uh, an OVA, which I've spoken about in our Sonic the Hedgehog episode, original video animation, which is a hmm. more of a Japanese concept. They they would often release essentially straight to video TV series. Um, I believe it was like a six-episode adaptation of the book that was done animated in in uh, nineteen eighty-eight. I've just looked it up nineteen eighty-eight. They did yeah. a video game tie-in with one of these animated films. You know, like that's the reason they were making them and budgeting them because they had video games released. Oh, really? And stuff. Well, it's probably. Yeah, I mean, I didn't look into it in any detail, but yes, they probably made use of the same assets. Frankly, they probably like yeah rigged up the same animation models for the yeah that makes sense well i feel like you've wasted eight hours of my life there alan or it would have been if it worked i was gonna say double speed (laughs) brought that right down so i don't feel so annoyed about it um but you know you you kicked off at me because you had to watch walk hard once for this podcast (laughs) yeah well, it's been a pleasure to join you again. Um, <laughs> although I feel like even in the current lockdown, that was a waste of a weekend. <laughs> and, um, and I'm six quid worse off. So yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks, thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening, and if you're new to the show, please do look at our back catalogue. We've got over 200 episodes looking at all sorts of different films. I'm sure you'll find something there that interests you. If you are a regular listener, then please do continue listening. And if you really like us, do consider supporting us on Patreon. It's just $1 a month, and for that you get a lot of extra content. Uh, What we call Diminisodes, which are sort of mini-episodes, although we have done some full-length ones. Usually do about one a week, reviews of recent films, that sort of thing, and then occasionally other weird things that we just throw out there. All that, just $1 a month at patreon.com forward slash dimreturns. It just helps us uh, keep the costs at bay. And of course, you can always follow us on the social medias at dimreturnspod, Instagram, Twitter, 
And the best thing you can do to support us is rate and review us on iTunes. Not just rate us on iTunes, actually, because just the number of ratings you get increases your visibility and, and, and presence and that sort of thing. So that will help support us. Go over there, give us five stars. Okay, thanks for listening. We will see you again next week. <laughs>